Welcome to the Root Cause Revolution podcast with functional and integrative nurse nutritionist and energy medicine practitioner, Audrey Christie. Hey friends, welcome back to episode 20, eek, what is it? 205. <laughs> uh, today we're talking about how to improve low stomach acid. I'm your host, Audrey Christie, and I help women heal. I help you heal from those chronic symptoms that just won't go away, from autoimmune issues, from all those things that you think you're stuck with because you're old or because you're female or because any of those reasons, right? I help you heal from those things to heal the things that are common, but not normal. Okay. So we're going to talk about one of them. We're going to talk about low stomach acid. Now, if we've worked one-on-one or if you've been in the Root Cause Revolution membership, then you have already heard me beat the low stomach acid drum probably to death. But it is one of the most common root causes that I see. Now, is it a root cause in its own? Not always. Sometimes it is. If you listen, go back and listen to um, the unintended side effects episodes. Uh, and I can link those in the show notes. Um, but I did one on people who take um, acid blockers, proton pump inhibitors, uh, Tums, those kind of things on the regular, right? And so what that does is trigger a digestive dysfunction and gut imbalance, which then when left alone long enough triggers all of these other symptoms and disease processes. So funny story, the stomach actually has to be acidic in order to fully digest food, especially protein, right? It has to be acidic. So if you combine that with the fact that all of the heartburn and all of those things are actually side effects of low stomach acid, possibly a valve um, issue, but most commonly, heartburn is caused from low stomach acid, not high stomach acid. And then you take something to further block the stomach acid, you are creating an environment where your body cannot absorb the food that you're eating. So then what happens? Well, the particles that go down into your digestive system are too big to digest. So then you start having these weird sensitivities and allergic reactions to things like asparagus or avocado or banana or eggs or even dairy or gluten, which I still am on team, you shouldn't be eating dairy or gluten, except for in rare, rare occasions and in very certain forms. And we can talk more about that on another episode. But all of that happens. And then you end up with all these food allergies and sensitivities. Well, if you don't realize that you have the sensitivity and you continue eating it, you just don't know why you're swollen or your joints hurt or all of those things, um, then you continue to ignite a cascade of even more problems. Now, The other thing that happens is, and I see this happen quite frequently, is that you end up gaining weight. Two reasons. One, from the inflammation, from the process I just described. And two, because you're not getting the nutrients from the food that you're putting in your body. You're still getting the fat. You're still getting the calories. You're not getting the satiety of the protein. You're not getting the benefit of the protein to build muscle and hair and nails and all of those things. And so your body triggers you like, oh, shoot, we still don't have enough protein, we better make her hungry again, right? So it's a whole mess of problems. And that's really just scratching the surface from what I'm talking about. So problem one, low stomach acid, 
it inhibits you from digesting food and absorbing it properly, right? So you become deficient in protein, you become deficient in vitamins and minerals. Um, Second, stomach acid also plays a really important role in sterilizing, for lack of a better word, sterilizing our food and killing off the gut microbes that you don't want. Um, So low stomach acid can lead to microbial overgrowth and not the good kind, okay? And it could be anything from having a case of food poisoning all the way up to and through having small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or any number of other kind of things that go in that category. Now, it also, stomach acid also stimulates the release of bile from the gallbladder. Um, And so if you have low stomach acid, you are um, not able to stimulate the release of bile, and you're not able to close the esophageal sphincter. And all of these things create um, trouble in your digestive process for fats, and they lead to things like heartburn, gastrointestinal reflux disease or GERD, leaky gut, IBS, which we all know is a BS diagnosis, bloating, constipation, SIBO, skin issues, malabsorption, constant hunger, so much more, right? So let's talk about if you have Low stomach acid, it's really easy to find out if you do to look that up. You can look directly at your complete blood count and your complete metabolic profile. Those are often abbreviated as CBC and or CMP respectively. Um, So that's part of what I look at when I do a lab work review. I look at those numbers and I let you know if you're having low stomach acid. If you've been taking anything to block heartburn, you have low stomach acid and we need to get you off that stuff. I do have a whole class. Um, It's a class for, you know, you can take and wean yourself off heartburn medication. It costs less than a copay. I think it's 25 bucks. I'll link that here as well. But it um, goes through how to wean yourself off of those medications so you can return to having stomach acid and return to reducing that inflammation and releasing that weight, all with just a few simple switches and saving yourself some money on those heartburn pills, okay? But if you have low stomach acid, there are some recommendations I can give you for naturally increasing your stomach acid levels. I'm going to give you just a handful here. Number one, eat a whole foods-based diet, Okay. Make sure you're eating real food, not processed food. I had a really interesting conversation with um, someone about Larbars on Instagram yesterday. They seem like whole foods, right? But they actually have a lot of nasty seed oils in them. So that should be in the every once in a while category, not in the let's have one or two of these a day category, right? Um, So make sure you're eating real food and you're eliminating processed foods, refined sugars, extremely limiting alcohol. And I know that's a touchy subject, right? Wine down time and mommy's, uh, what do they call it? Mommy's sippy cup and all of these things, right? Alcohol is poison. Skull and crossbones, poison, period. I recognize that many people use it. I would encourage you to look into the reasons why you think you need it. De-stress, you know, uh, social anxiety, et cetera, and really hone in on what's actually going on there because the alcohol is just covering it up and making it worse. But if you enjoy having a glass of wine or a beer or two, then that needs to be one glass of wine or one beer or two every single week uh, or per week. Please don't do that every single week, but that's like the maximum limit. One glass of wine or two beers every single week, or what is it like one ounce of hard liquor? 
every single week. Most people that I know that drink, drink a bottle of wine or a 12 pack of beer or, you know, several ounces of hard liquor. So that's well beyond that scope, especially if you're having these stomach acid problems. You can also focus on adding some foods to naturally help to improve stomach acid. So number two is add certain foods to improve stomach acids, things like fer- fermented vegetables, things like turmeric, ginger, okra, artichoke, uh, any foods high in essential fatty acids. So like bitter greens, like dandelion, arugula, um, endive, those are all really, really great for stimulating, di- stimulating digestion. Manuka honey is really expensive, but that's also a really great food to include because it helps to increase low stomach acids and also has some antimicrobial properties. Now, the caveat is here, adding these foods alone is not going to fix it. Taking these foods away, likely not going to fix it. If you are, uh, if you've been experiencing this for a long time, and or if you're actively taking medications to suppress your stomach acid. Another good one is apple cider vinegar. So it might even be the most important one to focus on. So you can use it as salad dressing, you could cook with it, you could put it in your water. Um, I recommend starting the day by drinking a warm glass of water with one to two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar and some fresh squeezed lemon or some lemon out of a bottle, that's okay too, (laughs) and start to stimulate those digestive juices. It can also help to take one tablespoon of ACV or apple cider vinegar, the good stuff, the organic stuff like Bragg's with the mother in it. So with those little uh, (laughs) stringy things in there, right? Um, But you can also do that 15 to 20 minutes before your meals. Now, I'm going to link something called a digestive enzyme in my full script apothecary. uh, And you can drop in there and grab this stuff. This is something that our family uses for all the things. So um, we don't take it any longer, you know, with every single meal, but we do use it if we're going to dine out, for example, so that we can help to digest anything that our food might be contaminated with that we're not used to having, right? So it helps to add an extra layer of protection for foodborne illnesses when somebody else is handling my food. Um, And it also adds an extra layer of protection for if there was some cross-contamination for um, dairy, wheat, gluten, those kind of things. These digestive enzymes are by Integrative Therapeutics, and I would only recommend buying them through Fullscript because that way you know you're getting the real thing and you just take one to two with the first bite of food for your meals. Now, number three, actually number four, we're on number four, make sure you're getting enough salt. I have talked at nauseum about how salt is not the culprit. And without salt, you can't do the like anything. If you are salt sensitive hypertension, then there is something else going on another imbalance, likely heavy metals. um, But that's for another episode, but make sure you're getting enough good quality salt. Sea salt is preferable. Um, Also the brand real 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 salt is okay as well. And so is pink Himalayan salt. Okay. Um, it gets your stomach acid going. Number five, work on healing your gut in general. (laughs) Reach out to me, ask me a question. Let me know if you need a gut healing protocol. I might do a masterclass on that if there's enough interest soon. Um, But this includes during this healing process, taking a high quality probiotic. And if you have an underlying infection of 
um, like a SIBO infection or some other kind of leaky gut issue, then make sure you are addressing this with the help of a practitioner. Okay. Um, now, if your digestive issue is very, very low, this is number uh, six, I believe, then I suggest using something a little bit stronger. You might use something like HCL pills, right? Um, this is kind of getting into where you might need the help of a practitioner, but some people can can try this on their own. It's best recommended to take um, whatever dose is best for your body with a meal that contains protein and take them mid-meal. Now, I like digestive enzymes better, um, but sometimes HCL pills are necessary for people who have really, really low levels of stomach acid, right? And it can kickstart the body into producing enough uh, stomach acid on its own. And then my last two tips, so number seven and eight, number seven is to try to minimize the water you drink with your meals. I know it's hard, especially if you're like me and you eat really spicy food and so you want to chug a lot of water, but that literally dampens your digestive fire, literally waters down your stomach acid. And so drinking anything, particularly water, but anything with your meals um, can make that worse. If you need something, then drink something that is warm or room temperature. You might try ginger tea, dandelion tea, or warm little lemon water. Okay. And then this one cannot be overlooked. Number eight, chew your food. A lot of people don't realize, well, digestion, chewing is actually the second step in digestion. And it is so important. If the food is not chewed in your mouth, then it gets to the stomach in too big of particles. And then we start that nasty cascade that I talked about at the top of the episode. You should not move the food from your mouth to your esophagus until it is goo. Okay. Until it's goo. How many of us take a chomp, chew two bites, gulp, swallow it down, right? Are you and your family, the fast eater family? You go to a restaurant and you wait 20 minutes for your meal and you're done in six and a half minutes, right? It may not be that dramatic, but you understand um, where you're going. You have to chew your food. That will improve all the things with digestion, including the amount of food it takes you to be satisfied because it takes six minutes from the the time you swallow your food to send the message to your brain that your stomach is full. Okay. So chewing your food helps to give your, your stomach time to send the message to your brain that your stomach is full. It also starts the digestive process off on the right foot, making sure that the particle size is correct when it goes into your stomach. And then, of course, this isn't an official number, but making sure that you are eating in a calm and relaxed state. This really goes along with chewing your food, but stress stops the production of HCL. So if you're a stress eater, this compounds that problem. Okay, eat your biggest meal of the day, not at breakfast, not at dinner, not at lunch, but whenever you are the most relaxed. If you cannot relax at dinner because of family dynamics, because of hectic schedule, whatever it is, make a different meal your most, your largest meal. If you can't relax at breakfast because you're getting kids ready and trying to get out the door and doing all those things, breakfast should not be your biggest meal. I don't care what anybody else says, then make something, maybe lunch. Maybe you get to eat lunch all quiet and by yourself. Maybe that should be your biggest meal. Okay. And it'll be a little bit different for everyone. And that's okay too. Often people begin to see immediate 
results when they begin to make these changes to increase their stomach acid levels. For others, it can take longer. Sometimes it takes months. I've had a few people that have to wean off medication for a year-long period. But no matter what, the sooner you start taking these steps, the sooner you will improve one really, really big baseline measure of health, as well as huge root cause, huge root cause for your health issues. From everything, anything autoimmune, from PCOS, um, fibroids, hormone imbalance, uh, I'm stuck on the, the those things, but psoriasis, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, any autoimmune disease that you can think of, your immune system in general, food sensitivities and allergies, all of these things will improve. As always, remember that I am rooting for you, friends. You can check out the show notes at audreychristie.com forward slash 205. Uh, next episode, we will be doing Ask Audrey. And we'll be talking about self-sabotage. So I hope you'll tune in on Friday. Be well. Thank you for listening to the Root Cause Revolution podcast. Be sure and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Ratings and reviews are always appreciated.